Welcome to Bites of Light with Angel and Seth Rohr. Our mission is to bring bite-sized nuggets of information to be digested as you please. Take a quick bite or stay for the whole party. Pleasure being the main component of our mission. We will also bring other humans into our space to share their magical brew with us all. Love, service, and wisdom is what we are bringing to the table. Join us in our magical kitchen, where what is being served is for your highest good. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our Bites of Light podcast. And today we have a very special guest, Jacob Pasterfield. Yay! Hi! I am so excited you are here and to share our journey of how we met and connected and all the things. All the things. Do you want to just give the listeners a little idea of who you are and what your background was, and then we can dive into our connection. Sure. I'm Jacob. Hi, everyone. Big fan of music. I don't know if, you know, the backdrop behind me (laughs) gave that away, but I'm a big fan of music. I really, really early in my life knew music was the path. I just knew. I think I was 14, and it was just like it hit really early. I think that was one of my first epiphanies. And as I was growing up, I was really drawn to shamanism and different kind of shamanic practices. I was always drawn to Tibetan ideologies and mythos around chanting and mantra, om, all of these different kind of sounds and syllables. And why does language exist? Why do we sing songs? Where do chants come from? It was always said that the medicine men and women of tribes would have special songs that they would use for different kind of ceremonies and different purposes. And that was like catnip for me. I just wanted to figure out like, what what do you mean there are special words and phrases we can say to kind of reflect specific circumstances? And so that led me on a very, very long journey of learning and growing and just kind of figuring out as much as I can. I went to school in San Francisco to study sound healing and music therapy. And without knowing it, I was accidentally studying alchemy along the way as well. And that just kind of, everything just kind of beautifully came together and precipitated in this cool kind of process of just sharing sound and vibration and music and the way that that kind of impacts and affects us on every kind of level of our lives. And that's what led me to here. Yes. Excellent. And that's what led us to our connection because I was looking for a sound healer to do an event and I just knew it had to be you. And yes. so I reached out and it was, what, what did Sammy call it last yesterday? <laughs> yes. An enthusiastic yes. It was an enthusiastic yes. Yes. Our last, our podcast (laughs) yesterday was was about boundaries and learning what the enthusiastic yes means. And that's what it definitely was for us. (laughs) Yeah. And we had never really met and created some beautiful magic together. And then we didn't talk for a couple months. Like it was just like we did this one gig, so to speak. And then off we went into our lives. And... It was Christmas. We're, we're now looking at our, oh my, it's our anniversary, Jacob. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it wow. is. Oh my goodness. I just put that together. Time, you plan this shit. Timing <laughs> is so epic, but we do that so well. We do that so well, you and I. So yeah. I found myself in a precarious position. Two, was it, two, it was two years ago. Was two years ago. Two years ago, I found myself in a precarious position at this time and reached out to Jacob because I knew he was a safe space and said, hey man, I need somewhere to live. <laughs> well, it started with advice. So we did a tarot oh, card reading. That's right, that's right. Yeah, and the tarot card reading kind of helped you point yourself in a direction that made more sense. And within that direction, I was like, oh, and also- You were the direction. <laughs> I have a house. And I could use the cool roommate. And that, that just lined right. up beautifully. That's right. And again, that goes with our whole premise around this podcast is really following your intuition and following your hits. And and sometimes when you're in that traumatic space and you get disconnected, you need help. So you find people that you know you can vibe with and that will speak truth to you. And Jacob had always spoken truth to me. And so that's right. We did the tarot card and I said, you know, give me a reading. And then it was, oh, and here's your other option. And I said, yes. And within what, 10 days, I think it was January 16th, I moved into your house. It was happening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty quick. It was. Yeah. And in that nine, because it was about nine months, was it, I think, that. Yeah, because it was. Together. 
Yeah, January, September. Was it was the, literally uh, a birthing process for both of us. Yeah. Wow. Because I, I moved from from your house into the States pretty much. So saying, nine <laughs> months that, later, I moved her out. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Fixed my car, moved her on out. Next exactly. chapter. <laughs> <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. Here we go. Let's do this. <laughs> it was epic. And, you know, when we kind of bring in the eagle eye view, it's funny that Seth wore his eagle shirt today. Eagle, yeah, me- eagle medicine. <laughs> when we look back and recapitulate what happened in those nine months man we did a lot of work energetically yeah, that was, it was huge it was it's so funny because like you can look back on these situations that while you're going through it i mean like you're going through things so it yeah. all kind of feels chaotic but like the density of work we did in that time a lot of it without even really like bringing to the forefront of our mind you know the fun part about our subconscious mind and our and our spirit is it's always connecting us to these things and it's putting these puzzle pieces together in ways that we can't really comprehend in the moment. You look back and you're like, what happened? That was like, we started by cleaning every wall in the house. (laughs) Like that was like the first thing we did. We were putting thieves oil and like making tinctures into our cleaning products and just top to bottom. Like we We ripped that that house apart energetically. And then ourselves in the process as well. I was going through some big changes in my life too and working through some wounds. And and we just had an opportunity to hold space for each other and kind of progress each other on our our individual paths. And that's the beauty of like the symbiotic nature of just soul connections and good people. Yes. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's the real key. It it is that, that collaboration piece where when you come in with love and respect and wisdom and you share all three, any space can be harmonious, right? And, you know, it was a small house and we had three animals. Like there, there was a lot to navigate. And I thought we did it beautifully. We did well. That was fun. It was fun. It was fun. And I, I do miss the, the deep downloads and the, the talks that we used to have over our, our breakfast every morning and stuff. Like there was some routines yeah. that were built there. And... I was telling Seth too, like some of them were, were so epic. I, I even recorded them. I wonder if I still have them, but you know, the amount of processing and space that we held for each other. And you know, this new book that I'm writing that I'm lead authoring bites of light. It is about that energetic agility to be able to switch aspects on the fly between the divine masculine and feminine. And when you find people that you can do that dance with and bounce back and forth, your ascension rate skyrockets. Yeah. Yeah, I remember there'd be times we were talking. You and I, you coined the term too. You called it, okay, you're racehorsing. You're racehorsing. We gotta we gotta reel it in. Yeah. I remember there's this one time we were talking, you're like, you're quantum leaping so much right now, just like pull the reins back, pull the reins <laughs> back, gotta, pull the reins where back. Are where are we? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Because that's what happens. You just ride that energetic wave. And the more practice you get at it, and then when you meet somebody else that has mastery in a different dimension and you get together and you just bounce off each other the amount of healing that can happen in such a tiny 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 space isn't even fathomable to the human mind there are no words yeah you know it's been two years and since i moved out like we haven't had i almost felt like i we needed a year and a half to integrate everything that happened before we could even start talking about it (laughs) right right had the process seriously well i think one of the things that's really cool is like i've always kind of considered because i'm a very collaborative soul in nature and one of the things i've found is when i come into presence with other people there will be certain people where just certain avenues of conversation and thought open up in ways that don't happen often and it's a really beautiful thing i think we kind of because of the vibration or the specific influence understanding and experience and knowledge we have in our field when we come to each other we can kind of create these like almost portals in a sense where these specific points of each other line up in just this beautiful vibrational harmony it opens these doors that are just way beyond our perception. And a lot of it, like, you know me, I'm a big geek about like the mathematics behind vibration. And one of the things that's really cool about the mathematics behind sound and vibration is 
There are specific ratios that exist within things, like an octave is a two to one ratio. And when things are moving at the speed of sound or moving really quickly, there are these little kind of like, it's like snakes and ladders. You've got these specific points where you can just jump right ahead. And it happens so instantaneously, you forget that you've moved all these little spaces to get to this next place because you've taken a ladder or a snake, if we want to get into some kundalini metaphors here, to these different parts and different pieces that aren't exactly the square you're on. And I think that's something that's so cool when people can come together, we can kind of open these doors for each other that really allow us to kind of lean into the growth and experience and the sharing that we have to offer one another. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, together we rise far faster. Absolutely. It's pretty rad. Yeah. Well, and for me, it was the second year apprenticeship that I was in with the Ruizes in one of the most intense parts for me, where I literally felt like I was walking the crazy line a lot <laughs> because I was being pushed to the edges of what my brain could even comprehend. And so I truly believe I was exactly where I needed to be for that part of my ascension process because. What we learned in Peru with our Peruvian shaman teacher, he, he told us there that we are in the 2% of the world that can actually access this kind of information and mitigate it and navigate it. And that kind of made me, okay, I'm not crazy. I'm just accessing new spaces and it's okay. That's the sweet spot. Am right? I crazy? Right? <laughs> right? And then I hear my trauma therapist in my head. If you can actually ask yourself the question, are you crazy? Then you're not crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you have the rational thought for that. You're good. Right. You're good. The objectivity <laughs> is key. Right? Yeah. yeah. And one of the other wild and, and I think key pieces for me about knowing I'd made the right choice, you know, because in our previous podcast, we've talked about really trusting your body and your intuition and the universal signs that come in. I had already said yes to coming to your house, moving to your house, the roads being between Rose and royalty, and then you having that amazing tattoo down your arm was also... Where is it? This one. It's hard to see over Zoom here, but I have a <laughs> tattoo of Quetzalcoatl, Quetzalcoatl and, and Tezcalapoca. Yeah. Yeah. So... Tell us why you did that. Well, I, as I mentioned earlier, I've always been into shamanic mythos. When I was raised, I was raised Christian, I was raised Mormon. And actually what happened was I had a psychic awakening around the time I was 16 and started getting psychic impressions from other people and seeing auras. And it was something that the world around me just didn't understand. My families and communities tried their best to support me, but it's something that's just very misunderstood and kind of intangible to a lot of people who don't really want to put themselves in the seat of understanding an experience that's beyond a rational mind. And so that led me to just looking everywhere for understanding and answers. And so that led me to a lot of different shamanic mythos, like I mentioned the Buddhism. And I was always really, really into Mayan and Aztec mythos as well. So when I first kind of started looking into different belief structures and different stories of understanding reality, I was really interested in creation mythos, like how did the world begin and how, what happened? Like, where did it come from? You know, when you go to the Eastern schools of thought, it talks with Om in the beginning was the word. There was this physical vibration created by the divine that then spread forever through eternity, rippling forward, creating structures around it. And when you get into the Mayan and Aztec mythos, the whole story basically revolves around the main deities that created everything, then came to create the earth, and they kind of didn't do it exactly the way they wanted to, and in these giant fits of rage, they would just kind of etch a sketch the planet and start over. <laughs> and the stories in between a lot of these different deities as they kind of struggled for carving their own place in the universe Whoever is the most powerful gets to become the sun and all of the other deities want to become the sun. And when one takes over, there's a flood or fire or wind or whatever. And, and humanity kind of gets an opportunity to start over at that point. And so the main two deities behind the story are Tezcalipoca and Quetzalcoatl. And for me, they always kind of represented the paradigm between the light and the shadow or the, the yin and the yang kind of struggle. 
It's obviously much more complex than that, but I was always really drawn to this mythos because it really represented the strength that comes through adverse adversity, right? Like we build our strength through these experiences that come to us. And I always really dug that. I always really resonated with that idea, which then also precipitates into the world of alchemy as well, where we're going through these Phoenix moments where we're burning down these pieces of ourselves, where all of these pieces of our past and pieces of our journey, we shed them and we become a new thing. We etch a sketch who we were back into what we want to be. And for me, Quetzalcoatl has always been a firm reminder off of that survivability. And what happens is we become stronger, we become better, we enrich through that simplification of that purification process of burning away those pieces that no longer serve those changes that happened within us. They don't have to be prisons. They get to become like a prism to shine our lights through. And those stories always really, really resonated with me. And I just, I look at them so fondly. And it's interesting because like, there's a lot of other schools of thought that are just like, oh, everything's been great. Isn't life awesome? That's awesome. I love that. But I also really appreciate the stories that highlight the struggles that we go through, because that is a reality of the experience. And how we take those struggles and turn them into something is what really helps us carve our way through the life that we're living. And so those are always very firm reminders to me off of the importance of remembering that the moment isn't the journey. The journey is the journey is the destination. What we're doing is the part of the process. And that's always been a really invigorating and helpful kind of thought for me to follow as I go through my own life. I love the analogy of the etch a sketch. I love it. For maybe some of our younger listeners that don't know, I mean that literally (laughs) just this device that you could turn these knobs and draw a picture. And if you shook it, the whole picture disappeared. Now you got mm. a slate. You get to draw a whole new picture, create a whole new story. So I, I love that analogy. That's, that's great. Well, and that's what the Toltecs are. You know, the whole concept about the Toltec wisdom is that we are, we are the artists of our own story, right? We are the author. And Teotihuacan is where the warriors lived, right? So when you talk about the truth and the reality of what humans go through. You go to Teotihuacan to remember who you are, and mm-hmm. that's where the warriors live, right? That, that's where the tradition came from. And Seth just got back from there. And music has dropped in, so maybe you can share a little bit about what you experienced this last time. Well, I'm not sure what there is to share, honestly. <laughs> I'm still processing most of it. <laughs> I, I went to do a, a breathwork facilitator course so that now I'm able to facilitate breath work. And it was an intensive, we did 12 breath works in seven days. So, and each one was equally powerful and moving as any breath work that I've ever done. So, I mean, there was, and there was no time to process. It was like, finish, file away, do another one, finish, file away, do like, put it down for later. I'll come back to you in a minute. So, but it was the music, I think, like that's been opening up for you. Music's kind of been coming in for me lately. We went to another event earlier this year. Halloween. Yeah, over Halloween. It's a celebrate your life event. And there was a guy there who does, who's really getting into music, Barry Goldstein. And he's doing music as a a way to heal. And that was the first time I've seen it integrated with people that were talking about psychic mediumship and. And they would just be like, hey, we're, we're going to, and randomly, every speaker through the whole weekend would be like, hey, Barry, can you whip up some music for me? I want to do a thing. And he'd just get up there and, and just intuitively start doing a thing that would flow perfectly for them. For guided meditations. For guided meditations like or whatever. And, and music had been coming in for me. And I'm just realizing, I guess, that it's coming in for me. There's been times where I've been in the shower and, and vocals, mostly just through vocal noises. My voice has always been my most tuned instrument. You know, I'm not playing with some other ones. That's my jam. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so vocal noises has just kind of been coming in for me. Yeah, and some of it dropped in when I was down there doing breath work. Like, yeah, now I I realize that I've I've spent past lives in enchanting circles, leading rituals that were dancing around the fire and and chanting and and whatever that you know. I don't I don't know the details of of the, you know, who I was and the cultures and the names, but 
those images have been have been coming in for me. So so yeah, definitely it, I'm super excited to learn and, and expand that that side of the music healing and the sound healing and the you know and and expand people's awareness of it because it's not just playing instruments and other people doing things. It's even when I start my meditations now, I usually just go through some whatever kind of comes up as I exhale, whatever just vibrations want to come out. And that sets the stage for me to drop into my meditations more deeply, more quickly. So just such a powerful practice. It's so powerful. And absolutely. So for me, one of the things that I've learned and that I really feel is I think that so especially in breath work and guided meditations and facilitating the music for ceremony, I always find that there are two main elements that come forward. And one is beat and the other is voice. And another thing that's cool is anthropologically, we can look back to every single culture that we have written understanding of. Every culture had an indigenous drum and an indigenous flute. And for me, that represents two elements. It represents the beating heart. Right. That's what the drum is an emulation of. Because what was the first song you ever heard? Well, it was your mother's heartbeat while you were in the womb. And then you started dancing and you've been dancing ever since to this living drum you have within you. The next is the voice. Right. We squeeze air through these tiny little strips in our throat and miraculously create every sound and every word and every song ever sung. Right. It's just an amazing kind of facet of our life. And those two elements I find are very, very prevalent in every kind of form of, of everything, right? I mean, like I think in any song you've listened to, at least me, most people listen to the beat or the lyrics. And I think people kind of deviate depending on their own kind of personal, you know, interests. But those two things are just so prevalent and so important. One of the things that's really cool, especially with breath work, is I find that the beat is really, really helpful because it helps you kind of attune your breath to that specific rhythm. One of the things that's miraculous about our bodies as well is our bodies are always trying to create harmony with the world around us. Within 30 seconds of listening to a rhythm or a beat, your heartbeat will rise or fall its pace to match the tempo. And within 45 seconds, your brain waves do the same thing as well. So over time, we actually become entrained. We, we synchronize to the world around us through these, you know, it's, it's invisible, this pulse. It's not like a tangible thing. There's not someone coming up and like, ah, ah. So you <laughs> feel it, right? Like your body just receives it, your body responds to it, and then your body creates it. And now we have this beautiful symbiosis of this cool kind of interloping, interweaving pattern. And in my mind, I picture it as the figure eight. Sure. Right. So as we receive, we then push out and that changes the reception to then what we give. And it just comes back and forth. And it's this very, very powerful, beautiful thing. And the same thing happens with your voice, as you were mentioning, Seth. Honestly, some of the most profound moments I've had is where I'm just in the shower or I'm in the water and suddenly I'm just like shouting the sounds. Mm. And it's not based off of anything. I just had these sounds in me and they come out. And I find we're really, really, this might be a little harsh, but we're a little wounded when it comes to sharing our voice. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. we think there is a separation between like voice and singing and that only certain people get to be the singers. But there are still cultures that exist right now where there's no difference between singing and speaking and walking and dancing. And somehow in the West, we've a little bit lost that connection that you inherently have a beautiful voice. And even in my work as, you know, doing music therapy and sound healing, I've never met anyone who has a bad voice. I've just met people who are either afraid or unfamiliar with using their voice as an instrument. Yeah. And it's a scary thing to do. I feel like singing and using your voice, especially honestly and authentically, is almost as vulnerable as being naked in front of people. Right. Like I would go, I would be naked in front of a room of strangers before I would sing full of a room of strangers any day of the week. (laughs) And I think that digging into that vulnerability is where a lot of the power of the magic from your own voice is. I mean, your voice specifically has a vibrational relationship to your body that is so in tune. There is nothing that is more in tune with the energetics of your body than your voice. You, your voice is a reflection off of the entirety of the energetic structure you have made manifest here on this physical plane by blowing air through our throat. <laughs> yeah. Like it's 
so insane. Another thing I like to think about as well is the words we speak can also carry that intention as well. And we kind of think that you say something and it disappears. But I like to think that the things we say keep resonating. They just go forward. They just go far away from us. And in a sense, they never really fully stop being said. It's just moving out into the universe and somewhere those things you have said still exist. And that helps me be a lot more thoughtful of the words I'm trying to say. And I think about the rhetoric and the words we say and the importance of it in the same way that I kind of think about erosion. Like if you think about something as beautiful as the Grand Canyon, that came with the consistency of water moving over through time. And I like to take a metaphor of our bodies as a sculpture that we're chiseling against the sands of time and our voice is what kind of carves ourselves into what we then become. So the words we hold hold so much weight and they have such a beautiful and profound effect on our body that we can then in turn use to facilitate growth through ceremony, through breathwork and through ritual. It's just so cool. Yeah, I think that's a, a powerful way to describe the concept that's been out there for a long time of you, you are what you expose yourself to. You are who you hang out with, right? Like we've, we've all heard you know, that from our parents. Well, you know, don't hang out with them, they're bad influence. And we, oh no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. But you know, science is showing that, like you said, that your heartbeat and your brain patterns want to find an equilibrium mm -hmm. with what's going on around you. So if you expose yourself to shit and negative heavy energies, your body is going to try to find a, a rhythm with that. And, and like you said, with the words. So now, if that's true also, then what are we wanting to put out for other people? You know, are we wanting to put out shit and dragging other people down? Or are we wanting to put out a higher energy that can lift other people up? So being very conscientious of what you choose within your field is going to affect you on a level that your brain can't even comprehend, but it, it influences your subconscious and it influences your physical body. So when you hang around in heavy energy, needless drama, and you wonder why you're getting sick all the time, it's no secret. Science is showing you that is going to affect your body. It's going to drag you down into those energies. It also makes a lot of sense why when you go to places like Teo or these sacred sites in Peru or Mount Shasta or any of these places where the veil is thinner and the energies are more significant, why you just feel good. Like you feel this energy and you are able to take these quantum leaps a little easier because they are rising. They are raising you up. Your body is trying to then find equilibrium with those and they're way higher than your normal environment that you hang out in. So you don't have to put as much of your own effort and energy into then leaping forward, going jumping higher. You know, if you, if you jump from here and you can only jump 10 feet, you get to here. If you jump from here and you can only jump 10 feet, you don't even get to where you're starting up here. Your ability to, to leap doesn't have to grow when you raise the platform of which you're leaping from. Yeah, absolutely. Just super conscientious about what you're allowing into your field. The voices that you allow, the, the shows you watch, books you read, the the conversations you have, your workplace, the city you live in, like all of these things are going to going to affect your ability to rise up out of the situation that you're in. And I think that's why you and I quantum leaped so much in that nine months, because we were consistently, consistently keeping the house energetically clean, checking in, doing yeah. these downloads every single day. And it became a practice. It just became routine for us. And I think that's really important for people to understand that it does take practice. It does take routine over mm -hmm. and over and over again. I can remember my Kung Fu instructor saying to me, you need to repeat the pattern over 2000 times before it becomes muscle memory. You know, so any new pattern that you're trying to take on, it's sometimes not easy in the beginning. <laughs> and, you know, it is the beginning of January. This is the time when people are, have more attention focused on resolutions and setting intent and all of that. But why aren't we doing it all the time? Why are we only doing it as humanity? Because I certainly don't only do it once a year and I know you don't either. But, you know, why are most people only choosing to do this recapitulation and resetting your intent process in January? Well, and I, you know, power to all the people who the first of January, new calendar day, as I call it, 
yeah. is a beneficial starting point for them. Because I agree, you, yeah. you can count midnight any day and make a change, exactly. right? And it's beautiful to have a marker. I don't really follow the Gregorian calendar. I especially think that starting a resolution in the middle of January when the rest of the world is hibernating is kind of like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> like if that works for you, giddy up. But like the world is sleeping. Right. Like your body Winter. physically responding to your environment around yeah. you wants to rest and eat and take care. It wants to build. Like I like the astrological new year in May, March 20th, because we start to enter spring. And spring for me has always been the place where I really like to start implementing those goals and those directives that I like to do. I find in January, I set myself up for a bit of failure. And again, like you said, these habits need repetition. And a large part of that for me is recognizing that failure is okay. Yes. And again, this kind of ties back into the, the kind of alchemy of struggle is the failure is okay, right? Like, like when you expect yourself to just be able to jump into this new ideas and these new steps for you, awesome. That's a great mental space to be, but physically things take much longer. When we're quantum leaping, you can go light years ahead of yourself, but your physical body's got to do a day-to-day incremental growth. Yeah. You've got to unwire. You've got to remove conditions. You've got to go through trauma blockages that have prevented you from doing those things. And it's a difficult task. And I think the grace that comes from that re-beginning and that restarting over is a very, very important part. Just remind yourself, like, you got to be a dude or do that in, in, like, you got to be in your body. You've got to be able to just go a step at a time. Some days it's going to be easy and bright and you're like, I'm crushing it. Other days it's going to feel like you're dredging through sludge and you just want to stop entirely. And then also there will be times where it's okay to like give yourself a moment to just integrate and just don't do yeah and i think that that's a large part of it as well as like giving yourself the grace and the opportunity to understand and recognize you're moving through a lot of things as well well i think i think especially for a lot of people who have endured deep traumas the top chakras can get blown wide open and you can be completely ungrounded so, you know, there's a lot of people, especially, you know, with what the world has gone through over the last couple of years, you know, as a collective, we're almost all dealing with some, some strain of PTSD. And so now we have all these humans that are only in half of their bodies. They're only halfway in. They're not completely embodying and getting right down into their toes in the grounding. And I remember that's a lot of the work we did because we were blowing each other <laughs> up so much, right? We've had these conversations about get back in your body. Like, this is your soul basket. This is your home on earth, not the physical dwelling you're in. You have to be comfortable here first before you're going to be comfortable anywhere. Yeah. And so we spent a lot of time regrounding each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'll help I still have a giant both up. I still have a giant chunk of tourmaline here from when we lived together. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I remember down in the body. Yeah. Stay in your body. And, and that it's safe and to not abandon yourself. That, that's the other key. Not only get into your body, don't abandon yourself because yes, you might understand it and you've had the quantum leap and, and the clarity to understand, you know, why we're actually here and what our missions are, but our soul baskets still carry all the cellular trauma that we have to clear out. And that's what I, I understand with what you're saying about that, you know, day by day, you got to take care of your physical soul basket. Even if you get it, you still got to do the work. 100%. Still got to clear out the soul basket. Yeah. And it's still funny. I'm still working on really embodying those lower chakras. Like I feel like a floating brain driving a meat suit some days. Yes. Because I'm so like not in my body. I just, for yes. me, it's so easy to just come right up into so those easy. upper chakras. Yeah. Conceptualization, talking with the astral and the, the non-physical plane. But then I'm like, that's great. Awesome. And but, how like, you function you've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah, you've got a lot of work to do. And, and it has been difficult, especially over the last little while, when I'm really trying to embody those lower, like I'm uncovering those wounds that I have from adolescence and childhood and trauma. Yes. And especially when we're in the lower chakras, we're talking root, sacral, and solar plexus. So root is those feelings of security, like nourishing yourself. Like I have poverty wounds from times where I, I didn't have food and like tons of starvation. So now I'm going through these things. I have to reintroduce better habits on a physical dietary level. And so that triggers all these poverty wounds and I have to, you know, and then I get all wound up about the state of the world and capitalism and no, 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 no. 
It's like, okay, that's enough for today. Yeah. <laughs> next. And then the next day, I'm like, okay, cool. Let's do some sacred work. I'm like, cool, sex trauma. Yeah. You know, masculine and feminine structures and the way of the world. And then, and then you're like, and that's super fun to dig through because, <laughs> yay. Sure can be. And then you're like, okay, 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 that's enough for today. Yes. That's enough for today. And then you get into the solar plexus and you're like, who I am, identity. Oh, all the times I've been pushed down, told to be not as loud as I am, told I'm wrong for the things I believe, never given an opportunity to be seen, heard, or express who I really am on a fundamental level. Okay, that's enough. That's for today. enough for today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard work. Those lower three chakras is where all of our shit sits. And that's you what know? we came here to do, really. Like Clear we came that here out. to be physical. Yeah. And they're the most tied, tied up and convoluted parts of our being. But yeah. that's that's the journey. That's the beauty of alchemizing these things we've been through and turning them into gold, turning them into better experiences that can enrich our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the new visuals that's come through since I've been, you know, since we were living together is like we always talked about tree roots. And, you know, ground your roots into the ground and tie them around the center core of Mother Earth. But the untangling of the roots and some of the roots are no longer needed and it's okay to prune. Like, you know how we always prune above? You know, we we prune to make our trees look all nice and pretty. But sometimes digging up some of those roots that are actually anchoring you to places that you don't, that aren't serving you anymore, those have to be... The rotted roots need to be pulled out, fresh soil, and and transplanting the plant into new fresh soil. Sometimes the whole plant needs to be moved. Yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to think about it, too, because a lot of those roots that you had laid down in the past came from necessity. Exactly. And when you leave that situation that was built off of desperation and a a survival instinct, we're not in that environment anymore. Exactly. How are you going to thrive if you stay that there? Absolutely. You're pulling nutrients into your tree that don't feed you the way you deserve to be fed anymore. And what happens when you transplant a plant, even if it's just a house plant or, you know, a plant in your yard, they thrive in new environments. Mm. Right. So. And that's funny too. A friend of mine who's got an amazing green thumb says, I never repot plants in winter. I always wait for spring. Right? That's the way of plants. Ha. Right? Yeah. So this whole concept of, yeah, we take care of the outer. If we're going to take care of the inner, you know, our inner roots are inside. You know, the work is within. You know, we can pretty up this, our soul baskets, as much as we want on the outside. But are you taking care of the roots and getting rid of the dissolved roots and maybe even diseased roots? Because we know in nature that happens as well. Or are bad we, soil. Are we releasing that? Are we moving ourselves when it is necessary? You know, and then I, I can apply the that analogy to my situation. I was in a poisoned pot and removed myself. Mm-hmm. And now you're blooming in a beautiful environment. Yeah. That came to your soul in such amazing ways. Exactly. And you were a huge part of that transition. So thank you. Right back at you, sister. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. So tell us what you're up to. So actually, today is my year anniversary of being in this new place. Yay! Which has been really cool as well. It's just a nice, cute little basement suite. And I have my, you know, chaotic mess of beautiful instruments. (laughs) Honestly, I've, I've put down a lot of my practices. I put down a lot of my... Mm egoic attachment to the ideals that I was. I think this kind of ties into your, I was taking care of the outer side of the tree, mm-hmm. right? I'm like, what am I? Well, I'm a sound healer. I'm a music therapist. I love music. I do all this creation. Na, 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 na. But I was just talking about it a lot. I found I wasn't really embodying it as much as I needed to. And I found I was utilizing these modalities as a crutch because it made me feel like I had a little bit more of a place in the world, which again, There's nothing wrong with that. That totally served me for a long time. Carving out what I really am was really important. But I got to the point where the role of what I was superseded the importance of really embodying what I was. So I kind of put everything down in a sense of like, 
how can I start over? Like, where, where do I really need to look at? And for me, it was, again, starting down with those roots. And so over the last little while, I've been doing a little bit more of like unassisted personal work instead of leaning into my bowls and doing the meditation, which is beautiful. Like, I still love that as a practice. It was more like drop all of that and sit in that space instead of leaning into these tools and these instruments, which are so beautiful and so profound. What is it like without them? Mm-hmm. And so to just kind of experience a lot of that, I found that a lot of my wounds weren't being tended to. In my subconscious garden, I was just pulling the weeds. I wasn't uprooting the weeds. Right. And I'm like, where is the dissonance in between that fulfillment I need from my environment and those roots of the past that are preventing me from really embodying what I want to grow into? And a lot of that for me has been really digging into making my own music because I've been really shy about that. It's funny. I I teach music professionally. I help people with music therapy, but I don't consider myself a good enough musician to make music, which is irrational. Like even my mind is like, that's so ridiculous. But it is still a thought that I embody and that I occupy. And so that has been a very large part of me moving through that because that's what's been important to me at this specific point in my journey. And so for me to unravel where that comes from, as I mentioned, it stemmed from, you know, I had my first psychic awakening really early in my life and it was misunderstood, misdiagnosed. I was put on all sorts of medications for things that I didn't need. And just because my frame of reference for sharing those things comes from the idea that I wouldn't be understood. And same thing with my music. Like I make interesting music. It's it's very synthy. It's very loop pedal. It's very distorted. It's kind of like my friend described it as like Nine Inch Nails meets Lady Gaga. Like, and it's so funny because I feel like I was just embodying these two parallel worlds and I wasn't giving myself the space to bridge them together. I was like, okay, cool. Well, I can do this music for Kirtan and chanting and mantra, which sounds vastly different from the music that I want to make to fulfill myself. And giving myself space and understanding to just go, it's okay if no one likes it, or it's okay if it's not good enough. Like the fact of the matter is it's important for me to be honest with myself about who I am and what I want to do, and then working towards bringing that into the world. So I I found that there was this kind of disconnect between myself because I, I had this idea that I couldn't be both of the things I was. I couldn't be both a sound healer and music therapist, while also loving dirty, grimy, industrial rock and roll, which is just somewhere I just decided that was the case. Sure. Yeah. There's no reason that those things need to be at ends with each other. It's just here in this space, this is what we create. And here in this space, we can create that. And so it's just been a lot of like giving myself the permission to be who I am instead of trying to be what I expect myself to be moving out of that people-pleasing kind of state and really honoring my needs has been a lot of what my last little bit has been. And so it's really funny too, because you know, whenever you put your spiritual practices down, I feel like you always have spirit on the shoulders being like, and well, sure they're, enough- They're giving you space to create your own medicine. You, you know, you're taking these two worlds and merging them together and making them your own. And that's where the mastery is. You know, And so then sure enough, an opportunity comes up where it's like, hey, would you come and do this thing? And then you go and do the thing. And you're like, oh, yeah, I remember how much I love all of this and why I got into it. So now I get to return to all of these things that I had kind of put on the shelf for a moment with this reinvigorated connection to them. And it reignited my passion and it reignited the love of why I got into these things in the first place. And, and again, like I said, the grace that comes through these changes is really what's important because we forget that even if you think you're not doing the work, you're doing the work. Yeah. yeah. And the spiral path is a thing and it will come around again because the universe waits, like you said, and it's doing this all the time. And are you listening? Can you feel it in your body? Are you hearing the call? And that action piece is so important when you're doing this work to follow your intuition and really understand you are being guided. You are being led. You're never alone. Yeah. And that, that not enough piece is something that so many people struggle with. Who am I to, to get all the attention? Who am I to talk about this? Who am I like, no, I, 
because so many of us were beat down by our parents with good intention. Like, no, if you, because we're taught, if you want to, if you want to succeed in life, you got to get along. You don't want to be abandoned. You don't want to be abandoned by the group. And if you're too loud, if you're too vocal, if you do the wrong thing, you're going to be abandoned. So we get this. not you're in the wrong group, right? You're going to be abandoned. You're going to be alone. You're going to die. Yeah. Like that's what it boils down to. That's where the fear trickles down to is if I'm not accepted, I'm now out of the tribe and I'm alone and alone equals death. I'm going to die alone in yeah. the primal world in the primal brain. Mm-hmm. So that not enoughness is something a lot of people deal with. And it's so, it's so beautiful that you're working through that and coming out the other side, because you know, we, we are all enough. If it's in your mind, if it's something your mind can create, it's something that you're here to share, right? The magic is there. If you can think it, you can do it. And the only thing stopping you is the limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. Just like you said, that well, I, this has to be separate than this. It happens a lot in the spiritual world, spiritual communities. Like, well, I can't be spiritual and have money. Well, who the fuck said that? Like, yeah. We're here to experience all the luxuries and joys and love that this planet has to offer. Of course, you can have money and, and things. You know, if you're attached to those things and you begin to worship those things as, as your new gods, well, then, yeah, there's probably going to be a price to pay for that. But it's different to have luxury and to not be attached and be to, attached to luxury yeah. as your happiness. You know, so, yeah, so it's, it's just a beautiful message to people. Like, you, you are enough and your, your voice is to be heard. Whatever medium that is, whatever is aching to get out of you, is meant to be heard and it's for somebody maybe not everybody but it's for somebody it'll spark something in someone and that's why exactly yeah even if for yourself but i was just about to say create it for yourself you know that that's why we're doing these they're for us it's for documentation we just did a huge recapitulation about our our year yesterday and it'll be out soon you know it's it's about this is medicine for us when now when i'm in those spaces or if i find a block or if i find a trigger that comes up i go back i watch my own videos i am my best teacher the medicine that we birth out of our own experiences is the exact medicine we need so by doing this work and producing this stuff it's my medicine if it helps one other person fantastic if it doesn't it's helped me already so it doesn't matter. And once you get to that place that it doesn't matter who sees it, that's when the magic starts flowing. And as I've been going through this, I find what I'm really doing is I'm reclaiming that little boy, that little teenage kid who was told, no, you're wrong. You're not experiencing the things you're experiencing. And I'm like, and now I'm liberating those old stories and I'm shifting those old paradigms because it was hard. It was too hard to, I wasn't ready. I wasn't, I wasn't, mentally, physically, and emotionally at the place where I was ready to dig into these things as well. And I think that's a large part of the growth process that we forget is sometimes external experiences need to line up before you're really ready to dive deep into those wounds. There's a really, really important concept that Peter Levine, who is an amazing trauma psychologist, put forward. And when it comes to dealing with trauma, it's really important to do what's called titration. And titration comes from chemistry. It's where you're mixing two different chemicals together. These chemicals, if you mix them all together, have a volatile, eruptive, and explosive response. So what you do is you just drop by drop one piece into the solution at a time. Doing too much is not necessarily a beneficial approach, right? Like sometimes you really do got to do it. That untangling, it's like the, I, I think like, undoing cables and cords is like our generation's Rubik's cube. And it's the same kind of thing. It's like, we're trying to untangle these crazy wires and knots that have been just stretched and tightened for so long that titration, those little tiny bits and pieces is really important. So to give yourself the grace as you're moving through it. And again, we think on this quantum level, we're one plus one equals, you know, 528, even though you've got to go, the one step by the one step by the one step by the one step. Yeah, we need to build the energy. And the second I moved in is when one of your big traumas dropped. And also having people around you that can hold the container for you to go through it. If you don't have the energy to go through it, you need a container. 
So it's really cool to see that you have now built enough energy yourself to be able to take those on and move through them. You have to have more energy than the obstacle to move through it. And sometimes that takes time to build. One of my mantras is little and often make many. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You don't got to take the big boulder up the mountain. You can just kind of chisel away and take it up in smaller pieces. Absolutely. That's right. Even if it's a little bit more work in the long run, like you run the risk of hurting yourself along the way. And then you got to go backwards and take care of that anyways. So exactly. Well, I'm really proud of you. I'm really glad to see how far you've come and, and the inner work that you're doing is really going to pay off in the future. So it's also a really good thing to share that it's okay to go into hibernation and do the inner work. Not only is it okay, it's essential. It's essential for our soul's evolution to sit in the shit and do the work. And you don't have to do it alone. But you just, don't have to do it alone. Just be very, very careful of who you choose to bring into your inner circle while you're in those specific spaces. It's really important. And it's trust good. yourself. Trust right. yourself. Trust your gut. You know, and, and, and same thing for you. I mean, when we first moved together, you were like, I would love to study the Toltec teachings and apprentice with the lineage. And like, boom, she um, did it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, set your intent and then go get it. The action piece, you know, because we can set we can set intentions for days, but if you don't take that action and commit, it's not going to happen. Yeah, because like we think like intention is all mental; it's astral plane, right? And when we can ground that intention with physical work, now it has an anchor to grow in and it can manifest into this when, well like yeah right so so thought is one thing thought is purely vibrational you can bring it into speech that's another beautiful step that brings it even closer down into this reality but now physical action we're embodying that on those three lower chakras that are really the tenant of the 3d world that we live in and that just allows it to have that foundation to grow yes so my that's wish right. for you is that you continue to grow continue to embody mm -hmm. and we would love for you to come and join us again whenever we line up again, I always love our conversations yes. and you have Wonderful. so much gifts to share with this mm -hmm. world. You shine Thank so you. bright and I miss saying that to your face. So yeah, again. <laughs> I know I miss you guys. It's so wonderful to be able to see you guys. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Take care. Lots of love. Bye. I'm well off. Thank you for sharing your time with us. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, and leave a ratings and review. Hey, did you know that both Angel and Seth have books coming out in 2023? Stay tuned and follow us on all social media platforms at Bites of Light, B-Y-T-E-S-O-F-L-I-G-H-T. Thanks again, and we look forward to sharing space with you again soon. Mm -hmm.